Welcome to Common Ground Church Rondebosch, a community based in Cape Town, South Africa, who believe that if Jesus is who He says He is, that changes everything. Our sermon podcast aims to unpack this reality, rooted in Scripture and dependent on God's Spirit. Psalm 118 verse 1 says, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Please continue listening for today's message. Good evening, church. Good evening, everyone. There we go. Lovely to see you. Nice full venue this evening. Just about to see you. It's quite bright in my eyes. My name is Mike, and uh, whenever I'm here in the evening, it is just a place that is full of joy and delight and energy, and I so appreciate being with you. Now, You've heard we speaking about baptism. Can you see I've got my baptism shirt? I'm all in, okay? We're gonna say we're all into Jesus. We're all into the water. That's what's gonna happen tonight. But Zoe is right. I'm gonna teach us from the word of God about baptism. But before that, an old photograph. Let's pop that one up there. Here we go. Look at that guy. At 19 years of age, there I was in the baptism pool. We didn't have a nice state-of-the-art warm pool, by the way, in the stage. We had a cold pool at night in the garden of the church. And there I am with the church minister getting baptized at the age of 19. I didn't say this earlier today, but I was actually wearing a faith brand t-shirt. How cool is that, eh? Not quite as cool as the all-in shirt that we have here at Common Ground. You would know that we have been in a series in the book of Galatians, and we are going to pause that series today. We're actually going to pause it for a number of weeks, and here's why. Today, we're going to speak about baptism. Next week, uh, it's Mother's Day, remember? Uh, Louise is going to be up here. Also, kind of a once-off standalone message around that. And then we go into a four-week series called God and money. I personally am very excited to see what the Bible has to say about our money. And uh, you might ask the question, why stand alone? Why break from Galatians? I was just getting into it. Well, sometimes we get these guest preachers and it's just, come and give us your best. Sometimes it's a special day like Mother's Day and we wanna take the opportunity. Sometimes the leaders in the church uh, wanna kind of light a fire under a particular mission or vision. Or, Or like today, or we want to reaffirm what we believe about something really important. Today, I'm not preaching anything different to what Common Ground has believed for years. It's not, here's a new teaching, we've discovered some new secret about baptism in the Bible. No, no, we are preaching what we have always believed about baptism. And especially for a lot of people here, new to Cape Town, new to Common Ground, we haven't actually preached this for a while. It's good to reaffirm every now and again and say, yes, this is a high value. As Christ followed, it's a high value in our church. We know Jesus himself was baptized. He told his disciples to go and baptize others. And we're gonna see through uh, the scriptures, especially the book of Acts, that it is something that we are to do as believers as well. And I don't want tonight to be sort of some manipulation. You're feeling your arms being twisted. You're like, okay, well, I've got no, way, no wiggle room, no way out. No, no, I want the word of God to stand high above us and for you to consider what does obedience look like. I love this quote from Stephen Wellham. He says, the New Testament does not know of a Christian who is also not baptized. 
I would challenge you to go and investigate that and to see if you can prove him wrong. I think he's right. And we're gonna see that as we get into God's word tonight. But it's not just a time to teach and say, okay, here's what we believe. It's a time to experience it. Some in this very room have signed up to be baptized tonight. The lid of the pool is off. We are ready to go, which is very exciting. So well done to those of you who have already signed up. And I think sitting over here, our friends and family as well, big welcome to those who have come, especially for this moment. You are visitors in our space, and we love having visitors. So a big welcome to all of you. But there's some more exciting news. Tonight, we're gonna have spontaneous baptisms. <laughs> Who's feeling nervous? <laughs> it's not like the heavens are gonna open, water's gonna f- like rush on you and you're suddenly gonna be baptized. No, no, later on, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to, you know, to, to stand up and uh, if it is your night tonight to be baptized and immediately there's a logistical barrier, right? I didn't come with my stuff. We've got you covered. <laughs> We got shorts and t-shirts and towels and people to baptize you, okay? We, we've done away with the barriers, at least those logistical ones. We are so excited for not just those who have signed up, but those who might in this moment this evening say, yes, it's me tonight. And so I trust that as I preach, your heart would be stirred towards baptism. Now, some of you, maybe many of you have already been baptized and it's tempting to think, cool, check out, I'm done, I don't need to listen in. I would encourage you not to do that. One, because um, a baptism will remind you of your own baptism, your own story, your own time of standing up in front of friends and family, church community, and saying yes to Jesus, saying, hey, I am committing to being obedient to Jesus in this moment and the rest of my life. So that's a wonderful reason to kind of lean in. But also, when we speak about baptism, we actually speak about the gospel. That's what I'm gonna speak about tonight, the gospel. And that is worth leaning into. We are never done, we never graduate from the gospel as Christ's followers. And and as we see scripture hold the the gospel high, this message of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, I trust that your heart would be warmed and you would freshly see the beauty of the gospel in your life. And you would be challenged again to say, hey, I've done my step of obedience in baptism, but what does my continued obedience to Christ look like in my life? Does that sound good? All right, so what do we mean when we speak about baptism? I've got a a couple of short definitions that help give us a rich picture of what we mean by baptism. Here they are. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality, an outward sign. We get physically into the water, but it's to represent something that's already happened in our spirits. It's also a symbolic reenactment of being united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. We are joined to Jesus. It's an obedient response we're gonna see to believing the gospel. Simply, it's following Jesus and doing what he did. And it's also a public confirmation, a public testimony of salvation. We do it in front of friends, family, and other believers. And like I said, I'm gonna speak mainly about the gospel tonight. I'm gonna speak about baptism as a gospel response, baptism as a foreshadow through the Old Testament scriptures, uh, baptism as a gospel reenactment, and baptism as gospel obedience. And so let's get into it. 
What do I mean by baptism being a gospel response? Let's jump into Mark chapter one. It says, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. These are the opening moments of the New Testament. There has been silence for a long time and then bang, the New Testament opens, right? And here we find John the Baptist in the wilderness. He's attired in camel dress and he's eating locusts and wild honey and he has a compelling message that he's preaching. Luke 3 tells us what it is. That people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. And Isaiah, if you see there, he, he has prophesied years before that this guy would come in the wilderness preaching and the last phrase there says, and then all people will see the salvation sent from God. What's his message? John's message is repentance of sins for salvation. John is preaching the gospel. And as Isaiah has promised, John would become a signpost, someone who would point to Jesus, Jesus who actually is the salvation sent from God. He points us to Jesus. And as a response to the gospel, what do people do? They get baptized in the River Jordan. <coughs> and uh, it's tempting for us to think, okay, that was John, that was the Jordan, unique moment in history, doesn't apply anywhere else or any other time. Well, let's take a whistle-stop tour through the book of Acts, and we're gonna see that just isn't the case. We get to Pentecost. You know the moment where the disciples are praying in the upper room, the Holy Spirit descends on them, and they had locked the doors for fear, and then they break open those doors and spill out into the streets, and Peter begins to preach the gospel. He preaches the same message, the repentance of sins for salvation. Let's read together in Acts chapter two. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we jump a couple of verses to 41 and it says, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I love that phrase. As they heard the gospel, they were cut to the heart. They heard, they believed, they knew they needed to respond and they came to Peter and the other apostles and said, what shall we do now? What's our next step? Repent and be baptized is the next step. Verse 41 is clear. So those who received his word were baptized. Let's carry on, Acts chapter eight. The early church is born and there's this rise in membership, but there's also a rise in persecution. And the church is scattered to the surrounding nations. Philip uh, finds himself in Samaria. And uh, let's read what it says in Acts chapter eight. When they believed Philip, he's been preaching, right? As he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. I hope you're seeing the trend here, guys. The gospel is preached and the response is baptism. What about 
The next bit, it's still in Acts chapter eight. Philip is called south by an angel. He, he interacts with an Ethiopian eunuch who's gone to Jerusalem to worship God and is returning, reading a scroll of Isaiah, but not understanding it. And Philip comes alongside and says, can I explain? Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. There's the gospel. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water, what prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. What a beautiful question. Here is water, what's preventing me? And many of you walked into the room tonight with some barriers that have been preventing you from being baptized. And I trust as we keep going through the word of God that God himself will bring down some of those barriers. That you'll see like the Ethiopian, there's, hey, I believe, uh, here's water, can we go for it? And he's baptized. What about Saul? You know, Saul, he's raging about, against Christians, arresting them, persecuting them. He's heading to Damascus to go and catch some more of them. And he has this vision of Jesus on the Damascus, Damascus Road, blinding light that leaves him blind. And he's taken by the hand into Damascus where he sits in the dark for three days, not eating or drinking. At that time, God speaks to Ananias, a Christ follower in the city and says, I have chosen this guy Saul. He's gonna be my, my messenger. He's gonna be the chosen one to the Gentiles. And I want you to go pray for him so he will regain his sight. Let's read in Acts chapter nine, it says, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. There's an immediate response by Paul in this moment, right? His world has been turned upside down, anti-Jesus, anti-Christian. Now he's met Jesus and what does he do? He gets baptized. I want you to catch, I only saw it in the moment this morning as I was reading it in the second service. He doesn't even eat food first. He's been fasting for three days and his first response is baptism, not food. <laughs> that might speak to some of you here tonight. <laughs> and so he starts preaching the gospel. He finds himself in Philippi and he interacts with a lady, a businesswoman called Lydia. And this is what it says about her. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well. It carries on in that same chapter, chapter 16. Paul and Silas, they end up in prison for preaching the gospel. It's midnight and the earthquake comes. We hopefully know the story, right? The prison doors fling open, the, the chains fall off, not just their arms, but the arms of all the prisoners. The jailer thinks everyone's escaped and he's about to kill himself because he's responsible. Paul says, no, no, we're all still here. And then he starts speaking to the jailer. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Do, do I need to say it again, church? He believed, and he was baptized at once. That's the response. One more summary story from the book of Acts. Paul's in Corinth, he's preaching in the synagogue. Crispus, Crispus the, the synagogue ruler, comes to Christ, he believes the gospel. 
and it says in Acts 18, and many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. There it is, believed and were baptized. There's a lot there, right? But I hope it's clear that this, this idea of believing in Jesus is so intricately woven with baptism. And at this point, some of those barriers that I spoke about earlier, they're starting to be challenged in you. Maybe you're starting to squirm a little in your seat and you think, oh my goodness, maybe, maybe it is my night tonight. And I would love to speak through some of the most common barriers that we as leaders come up against. We sit across the table from people in our pastoral moments, in our DNA coffee moments. It's one of the big questions that people considering membership ask about us. Hey, what do you guys believe about baptism? And I've chosen the top five or so just to answer now. The first one is, I'm waiting for a personal invitation from the Holy Spirit. Is it a good thing to wait on the Holy Spirit to be directed by him? Absolutely, we are encouraged to do that. But I want you to see that God's word and his spirit are completely aligned. All scripture is the voice of God. And so there's this, this kind of underlying belief here that the, the spirit might say something different to what God has already said in his word. And that's just never the case. They are always in line and in unison. And so if the word of God says, get baptized, the spirit of God says, get baptized. thank you. <laughs> Someone's with me. What about I am waiting to mature in my faith? Again, wonderful scripture calls us to mature in our faith. We must desire and eagerly grow in our spiritual lives. But did you see through the book of Acts anyone waiting to mature in their faith? They believed and they were baptized. Peter didn't say, okay, 3,000, beautiful. That's a good theology class, let's go. You didn't find Philip saying um, to the eunuch, just, just get to the end of the scroll of Isaiah, then let's talk. Or Paul going to the jailer and saying, go get your act together, sort out some stuff, and then let's talk about baptism. No, it was believe and be baptized. Plus, I would love to challenge you and say, when are you mature in your faith? Who, who decides that? At what point is it, okay, I'm now mature enough to get baptized? No, no, maturity is beautiful. We must long after that. But it is not a barrier to baptism. I can see this is important for some, but it's just not for me. See, we live in this kind of hyper-individualistic culture, right? Hey, you do you, that's nice, wonderful, I do me, and let's just not step on each other's toes. But Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Not half of you, not some of you, not the guys, not the, he says, every one of you. You see, through the act stories, we see children getting baptized, whole households getting baptized. We see men, women, Samaritans, Ethiopians, Greeks, Romans. Baptism is for anyone who has believed the gospel and has placed their faith in Jesus. Two more. I'm too nervous to stand up in church. I get it. I get that standing up here and saying something to the church is daunting for a lot of people but we don't get a lot of moments in our life to publicly declare our faith, right? This is a unique opportunity. God has done something in your life, it's real, it's true, you're living it, and now you get to, even if it's briefly, tell the whole church, this is what he's done, here's part of my story. We had many people being baptized this morning, and they were short, one sentence, a couple of sentences, but it was a testimony to what God had done in people's lives. 
It's also good to say that not everyone will get baptized on a Sunday in church in that pool. Let's see that photo. Some people in our community get baptized at the beach, in the ocean, in someone's pool. There are other ways to do it, and that's legitimate, and that's great. I would just encourage you, if that is you, make sure it's still a public moment. Make sure you've invited your life group, your friends and family, that, that you still say something about what God has done in your life. I just want to emphasize that this is a family here, and so this is a safe place. And um, you know, people get up here and not everyone's trained at public speaking and so on. No, no, we are behind you, we back you, we support you, we're gonna cheer you, cheer you on. And so even if you mumble through it and you get words mixed up, this is a safe place to come and share your story. And the last barrier, maybe the biggest one, is this one. I was baptized as an infant. Many church traditions practiced infant baptism. And in no way are we looking for a fight between us and other traditions. But we just don't see this practice in scripture. Baptism, as I think I've shown you, is always a response to hearing the gospel and believing. And I'm sure your infant baptism was very meaningful for your parents. In fact, it may well have been their own obedient step to following Jesus and say, hey, I'm, we're gonna raise this child in a house of faith, and that is wonderful and beautiful and should be celebrated. But I guess you don't remember it. And, and we would call, we would encourage you to take your own obedient step in following Jesus and to get baptized yourself. My wife, Jane, was baptized as an infant. Let's see that picture. There we go. By the way, some of these are photos of photos. There were no digital pictures back then, right? And so that's why it's a bit sort of fuzzy, but you get it, right? Proud dad, ecstatic mom, and you know, the, the rest of the family around them. It's a beautiful thing. Jane doesn't remember it, of course. And in coming to Common Ground and going through uh, the DNA course and hearing the teaching on baptism, she decided to get baptized as an adult. And I had the privilege of baptizing her in a school pool, so there we are. Again, photo of photos. <laughs> and it was around the time of her birthday. We got friends and family around. We had a braai, and I got into the water with her and had the privilege of baptizing her. A beautiful moment. And Jane would say about that moment that it wasn't a re-baptism. No, no, that was her first baptism as a believer. All right. Maybe I've answered your questions. I hope so. That's my longest point, by the way. Okay, we're gonna go a bit faster from here. So we spoke about it's a gospel response, and I said it's also a gospel foreshadow. What do I mean by a gospel foreshadow? You see, we might believe like, okay, John the Baptist came up with this idea of getting into water and coming out of the water. That was his invention. And, and no, if you look back into the Old Testament, there are beautiful pictures, these foreshadows of baptism throughout the page, pages of scripture that point, that, that kind of a crescendo towards the New Testament and the person of Jesus. I'm gonna talk through just four of them. Noah is a picture of baptism. The waters come down and they cleanse the earth and they swallow up all of the evil and wickedness. Noah and his family are saved in the ark. And as they exit the ark, it's a type of resurrection. They step into the promises of God. Moses is a picture of baptism. As an infant, Moses experienced a type of baptism being placed in a basket on the Nile. 
At that very same time, soldiers at the command of Pharaoh were throwing baby boys into the Nile to be swallowed up in death. But Moses himself is saved. And as a type of resurrection, he is rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. And many years later, Moses himself would stand at the edge of the Red Sea, holding up his staff, and God would part the waters, and God's people would walk from slavery through the water into freedom. And they would turn around, and they would see the waters swallowing up the death that was pursuing them in the form of Pharaoh's army. A while later, 40 years, and Joshua is leading God's people towards the promised land and they hit the Jordan River. Joshua says to the priest to take up the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders and to walk into the water during flood season. God holds back the water and again they walk through on dry land into the promised land, a land that God had promised Abraham way back when. They walk into the promise and the inheritance that God has for them. And then Jonah. Jonah is a picture of baptism. He's thrown into the ocean and he's swallowed up, not in death, he's swallowed up by the fish and as a picture of Jesus in the tomb for three days, he sits there in the fish and is spat out onto the beach as a picture of resurrection. Can you see what's happening here in these Old Testament stories? Yes, I believe they're true stories, as tough as some of them are to believe. I believe that God can do anything, but they're also a picture of what's to come. You, you see, if we go all the way back to Noah, um, it's eight people that are saved in the ark. Noah doesn't get wet. He doesn't get a drop on him. And then you get Moses who kind of gets to the edge of the, the, the Red Sea, almost his toes getting wet, and God opens the water. The nation walks through on dry land. And then you get the priests with Joshua. They get their feet wet, maybe even a little bit more. God holds back the water, and they walk into the promised land. And then Jonah himself, he's thrown in, fully submerged into the water, in the belly of the fish, and he's spat out. And what does he do? He goes to the city of Nineveh. And why is that significant? It's significant because the city of Nineveh is not a Jewish city, it's a pagan city. It's a picture that the gospel, the message of repentance that he preaches is not just for God's people, it's for all people, all nations. And can you see this kind of growing intensity of baptism, this this picture that's being built through the Old Testament all the way to the new? And it all culminates in the person of Jesus. You see, water swallows up death in all these pictures. There's slavery that goes into freedom. There's walking through the water into the promises of God. And there is salvation for not just some people, but it's open to all people. Isn't that beautiful? And it foreshadows Jesus because in all those stories, the people were saved. They came through the water. And Jesus himself did not. Jesus himself died. And like Noah's ark, he becomes like a refuge for us. Like Moses' staff, Jesus is lifted up and saves us from certain death. Like the priests in the Jordan, Jesus stands in the path of God's wrath and he takes it fully upon himself for us. And like Jonah, he volunteers himself. Throw me overboard. Throw me into death. I will die on their behalf. He rises again and nations are saved. 
Can you see that Jesus fulfills and surpasses all of these pictures in his life? And so when we get into the water, it's not arbitrary. No, no, it's a beautiful reenactment of the gospel. And that's what I want to talk about next. Baptism is a beautiful gospel reenactment. And I say reenactment because it's a response, it's not salvation in and of itself. We don't get saved by getting in the water. No, no, no. We are saved by grace alone. And as a response to that, we get into the waters of baptism. But it is a gospel reenactment. So I'm going to read from Romans chapter 6. This is Paul. And he says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Paul picks up this beautiful picture of baptism, and he says, we are baptized into Christ. We put our faith in Jesus, and there's a union that happens. You might say, what, what do you mean? Well, here's a helpful analogy. I do um, a bunch of weddings, and whenever I do a wedding, I say, guys, I want you to look out for a holy, mystical moment where two become one, where, where that Genesis passage is lived out, where a man shall leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. You can't see it happen, but as vows are shared and, and made, God creates a union between two people. And I say that it's holy because only God can do it. I can't make that happen. I can't make one from two. And it's mystical because it's kind of intangible. You can't quite see it. But by the end of the wedding, everyone's like, well, it happened. Two became one. It's what Paul says in Ephesians 5. It's a profound Mystery. It's a beautiful picture. And just in the same way as a man and a wife enter into a covenant relationship, so we also enter into a covenant relationship with Jesus when we put our faith in him. There is a union, a joining together, a holy moment, a mystical moment, a profound mystery, which is why couples exchange rings. Jane and I got married 16 years ago. We exchanged rings as a symbol as a sign of that union taking place. This isn't the union in itself. No, 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 it happens, God does it, but as a sign, a display, we exchange rings. And in the same way, baptism is like a sign, like a symbol to say, hey, Jesus and I, we are one, we are together forever. And so baptism is this outward sign of something that God has already done on the inside, uniting us with Jesus. And just to say at this point, when you get into that pool, you are not baptized into common ground. No, 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 Paul says you're baptized into Christ. That's who you're baptized into. And so maybe you've been baptized at a previous church and you think, okay, I've got to get baptized in this church. No, 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 if you have been baptized as a believer, no need to be baptized again. You are baptized into Christ. But Paul carries on and he says, we are baptized also into Jesus' death. You see, we place our faith in Jesus and there's a death that happens. You see, we die to ourselves and being masters of our own universe. We die to being slaves. We die to the hold that sin has over us. If you've been tracking with us through Galatians, this kind of language should be quite familiar, right? 
slavery and the law that's been over us, leading us to death, and Jesus setting us free from those things. Galatians 3.27 says this, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We've been baptized into Christ and we put on Christ. What do we mean by put on Christ? Well, this morning in the prayer meeting before the first service, um, one of our ladies had a beautiful picture from scripture about uh, um, being clothed in dirty robes, dirty clothing, filthy clothing. And uh, God's saying those need to be taken off. Because the, the reality is that Jesus, once we have put our faith in him, he clothes us with his robes of righteousness. That's the death to the old self, and we put on Jesus. Paul describes it like this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so, baptism is gospel reenactment. Our union with Christ, we symbolize that by going into the water to symbolize death, and we come up out of the water to symbolize we are united in his life. But it's not some sort of nostalgic thing, they're looking back, a reenactment of something that's happened. No, no, it's actually also a looking forward with a whole lot of hope. Because we're not just united with Jesus for the moment or for this life, we're united with Jesus forever. And so there's actually a hope of saying, this is a, a bond that will never be broken. And even if I don't feel it, Jesus and I are one, we are united forever and ever and ever. Last week, Bruce was speaking through Galatians 4 and he spoke about we are sons, we are adopted into his family. The, the, the very spirit of Jesus is in us and, and allows us to cry, Abba, Father. You can't unson a son or undaughter a daughter. And then Paul says, we get to walk in a newness of life. Many people, after they get baptized, have this freshness and this excitement, like, yes, I've taken that step, and they're spurred on in this newness of life as they follow Jesus. Lastly, baptism is gospel obedience. Our Common Ground document on baptism says this, we do not get baptized because we feel like it, but rather because we take Christ's leadership seriously. And that's challenging, right? Hey, if my life is not my own, if I'm humbly submitting to someone else, what does he say about baptism? Or maybe what did he do about baptism? Matthew 3 says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. <laughs> Jesus himself went into the waters of baptism. And for some of us, that's reason enough. If Jesus did it, well then it's good enough for me. But he carries on because Baptism is also something he told us to do and continue doing. He says in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You see, this is one of Jesus' last moments with his friends. He's about to ascend into heaven. Uh, and so these last words need our attention and our obedience. And he says, make disciples and baptize them. See, we, we can't get away from how intricately linked these two things are, believing in Jesus and being baptized. And I'm trusting that as I have shared these things, that some of those barriers have been kind of brought down by God and his word. And like the Ethiopian eunuch, you say, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Now before we get there though, we're about to get there, exciting moments to come, I just wanna address briefly a few people in the room. 
the, the first group of people, you're like, Mike, can you stop talking? I'm ready to go, okay? <laughs> and uh, while I pray or as we sing a song of um, um, worship in response, you are gonna boldly get out of your seat and you're gonna go through those doors into the foyer and there are gonna be some leaders waiting to have a brief chat with you. Remember, shorts, t-shirts, towels, all waiting for you there and then you're gonna come and join us at the front and you're gonna be baptized. And for some of you, this has resonated and you're like, yes, I'm in, but not all my people are here tonight. And that's okay. We have another date in the calendar. <laughs> the 28th of May, you can sign up for baptisms in a service like this. You can write your name down at the involvement desk and uh, we'd love you to take that next step of um, being baptized. And for some of you who think it's too late, I became a Christian so long ago, maybe you were a small kid, maybe it's many years ago, and you're like, it just feels so long ago, like, man, like I've missed the boat. All of those stories and acts, it feels like this knee-jerk response, believe, baptize, and I didn't do that, I've missed the boat. I would encourage you to be baptized, <laughs> to take God at his word, to be obedient to Jesus, and to be baptized. There's, there's no fear in this place, there's no judgment here. Guys, there was such a beautiful story. Literally this morning at the 8.30 service, Paul, a 74-year-old guy, I don't know how long he's been a Christ follower, but years, and he just felt stirred and said, I've been putting it off, I never, I never did it. And he said yesterday, Jeff got into the waters with him and he was baptized. It's not too late. For some, you still have some questions. I haven't answered everything you know, brilliantly in the 35 minutes I've been going. That's okay. I would ask you to, um, check out our document on baptism. It has some answers to some more questions in there. And uh, take that to your life group. You're gonna speak about it this week with your, with your life group. Bring it to the leaders, but don't leave the grapple here. Sometimes we've got questions and then we forget about it over coffee and we go home. So keep on the journey. And then the last group in the room is for those who have been baptized in their life, but it feels like quite a distant memory. Maybe it feels like that was wonderful, high moment, obey Jesus, and now it's like, it feels like a bit fuzzy, a bit of a dream, and you're like, I feel like the baptism's worn off a bit. And actually, you're sitting there thinking, I wish I could do it again, kind of get a bit of a boost, <laughs> you know, and uh, energy into my faith life. And I'd say, don't look to baptism for that, look to Jesus for that. I want you to remember Jesus and his baptism. Remember the words of the Father spoken over him. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Those same words I believe Jesus would speak over you. You are already his son, his daughter. And he would say, hey, I'm pleased with you. you know, don't think about you know, going into the waters again. No, 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 follow me, look to me. Last week, Bruce uh, I said we were in the, the book of Galatians and he was talking about sonship and we're adopted into God's family. Guys, I'll say it again. If you're a son, you're a daughter, you cannot be unsunned or undaughtered, <laughs> okay? But maybe you feel a little bit like the prodigal son, a little bit distant, I've drifted. Maybe you really feel like you're in the pigsty and you're like, I'm so far. You know what he was saying to himself? He was like, if I could just be a slave in my father's house, it would be better. And that's what you're thinking. Even that would be fine. And what is he greeted with as he goes home? He's greeted with arms open wide and he's greeted with the words of, my son was lost and now he is found. You are always a son of the house. And I believe God would speak those same words over you of, this is my beloved son, my beloved daughter. I am pleased with you. All right. Why don't you close your eyes? I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna get into it. So thank you, God, for your word.
Thank you for its clarity. Thank you that we have a physical response, a display that we can do to show this union has taken place in our lives. Thank you for the many people who have already been through the waters themselves and the stories and the testimonies that those are. I pray there'll be many more tonight. I pray for those people getting baptized, God, that you would just smile down on them, they would feel your closeness, your joy and your delight in them. For those right now who are, are, are kind of sitting on the edge of their seat, should I go, shouldn't I go? I just pray, God, would you push them forward to baptism and show them there's no barrier? For those who got questions, God, would you bring peace to them and answer their questions? For those who feel like they missed the boat, I pray, God, that you would just still hearts and say, it's never too late. And God, for, for, for those who think it's so long ago, I feel like I've drifted, I pray, God, uh, that we would see your arms open wide as a father that you're calling us to yourself and that the spirit of Jesus is in, is in us, allowing us to cry, Abba, Father. And so God, let your name be praised through your word, through the worship we're gonna sing in a moment and through all of the acts of obedience of people getting into the pool tonight. Bless your name, amen.